a listener production. Hello, lovely humans. Uh, For the first and hopefully the last time, it's just Angus doing this introduction. Uh, Of course, an incredible guest joins me on this episode, but it's going to be Dylan Alcott-Less for some people. Cheering, absolutely celebrating. I can hear champagne being popped off in the distance. But for others, uh, you probably found this podcast because of the great man and one of my best friends. So we are all missing him, of course. He's over in London. If you don't know on his socials, he's about to compete in Wimbledon on the grass courts. As I record this, he has yet to play his first game. But as this episode comes out, he would have at least played a game. And hopefully, maybe if you've listened to this, he's already won. Good luck, Dylan. We love you, mate. And uh, looking forward to having you on the next episode of Listen Able. Before we get into the huge star of this episode, uh, I want to shout somebody out. And that person is my partner, Emily, my baby mama. Emily pulled herself up this week when she said something, which had she not listened to Listen Able or had my direct involvement with it, she would never have done. And she noted that and was aware of that. And I thought that was really cool. So I started watching on Netflix, but I think it was on Channel 10, the TV show The Good Doctor, which has an actor portraying an autistic person as a doctor uh, who's also a savant. And my partner, Emily, I didn't think she'd be interested in the show. So I'd already got onto season one, episode two, when she sat down on the couch and she watched for a couple of minutes and then said, what's wrong with him? And then immediately stopped and said, I shouldn't say that. There's nothing wrong with him. What's his disability? You know, I was super proud of her. It's pretty cool. You know, because I think that's the reaction that, you know, a lot of able-bodied people would have. And for this podcast to already be changing, you know, somebody like Emily in my close circle and their opinion, another mate of mine used the R word on a WhatsApp group during the week about a global issue. And then immediately, straight after that text said, sorry, Gus, didn't mean to use that word. I'm trying. And I was like, this is so cool that this podcast is having this effect on my family and friends and obviously the wider circle. So as we get into this episode, I am a little bit upset that Dylan's not here because for the first time ever, I can say a person with way more Instagram followers, way more Twitter followers, way more famous is on this podcast. RJ Mitty is an actor with cerebral palsy who portrayed a person with cerebral palsy in one of the biggest TV shows of all time and one of my favorites, Breaking Bad. He plays Walter White Jr. And for a lot of you right now listening, you probably didn't actually know that he had the disability himself. Now, you're probably thinking with our most famous guest with a disability to date, I would have been waiting by the Zoom call an hour beforehand, palms shaking, head sweating. Well, actually, I was late to this episode. I thought it was on at 10.30. It was on at 10 a.m. So... A big thank you to RJ for his patience, and that's where we pick up this episode of Listenable. Enjoy. Well, can I just say, RJ Mitty, two things. Thank you very much for coming on Listenable, and thank you very much for your patience. I should point out, I am 19 minutes late to our interview. You, you're fine. I, I, as we were talking about earlier, thought I was 30 minutes late to our interview. <laughs> I signed into the Zoom. I signed into the Zoom and it said 6.30 my time. And I'm like, it's 7 o'clock. I'm late. Oh, God. Well, we can both apologize to each other. Um, Thanks very much for coming on the podcast. Usually I host this with uh, a guy called Dylan Alcott. 
He's a bit of a superstar. Uh, he's a, like a seven-time World Grand Slam Paralympic champion. Um, so you're stuck with the the B-grade guest as he flies over to do Wimbledon and the, the French Open. Um, oh, amazing. But we should point out, uh, we're talking to you because you've got a movie called Triumph. It comes out on DVD and digital platforms on July 7th, so people can now watch it. This this movie for you, uh, it's it's playing in a space you've lived your whole life. How did you feel about it when you heard about this role, which is based on a true story? Yeah, I, I was very excited um, when I first got the script and and was told the story of um, of a young man who um, has a dream to to wrestle to not just not and not, when I say wrestle, a lot of people think of like like WWE, like yeah, also yeah. Matt and Lucha Libre and all that. No, th- this is Greco style, Roman style wrestling, and it was a unique story of this man who wanted to live a very different life than society wanted him to live. Mm. And the original story um, of this man named Michael Coffey, who wrote this story about his memoirs and kind of dreams that he had for himself and what he wanted to achieve. And and as I read it, it resonated in so many ways. Um, He has cerebral palsy, much uh, more severe than me, um, but still a lot of the similar challenges um, that we face together and it just resonated well, well. And I just thought it was one of those stories that needed to be told and needed to get out there so people could, could hear it. And, and it resonates with a lot of people. This isn't just some like one-off story. This is a very common occurrence in real life that yeah. I think we never see. You both have CP, you know, short and cerebral palsy. Um, did you find out that Michael was like, oh, it has to be RJ Mitty. I mean, there's no other actor who can play this role. Or were you auditioning with other people who had cerebral palsy? Was it a was it a fight to get this role? Um, yes and no. Uh, there was other people that were up for the role, but when I when I uh, when they presented it to me and I, I read it and I was like, I, I want it. Can I have it? And it was like, yeah, like, and, game over, game over, done, uh, slam dunk that. And, and we just had so much in common that we hit it off and were able to grow from there. And, um, you know, this project we've been working on for about six years now, yeah. almost seven years since I started this project. And we've had ups and downs and we've pulled it up together by its bootstraps and really like made it happen. You know, yeah. so many of these movies never see the light of day. And we're very honored to be able to just get it out there. Let's go back to your story. Um, we're a disability podcast. Uh, can you talk yeah. about your life growing up and your diagnosis and what it was like being a kid as RJ Mitty? Yeah, so I was diagnosed at age three with cerebral palsy, uh, spastic um, cerebral palsy. So my muscles constantly kind of tighten and convulse. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for the first three years of my life, I wasn't able to be diagnosed. Um, they knew I had something. They could see something with how I walked and how I, I would I would grab things. So my, my hand on my left side and my left side primarily is is um affected uh and they they just knew that there was i wasn't grabbing things or i wasn't feeling hot and cold right and went to doctors and doctors and doctors and tests and tests for the first three years of my life and they would kept giving me the same answer we know he has something but we don't know what and um that's what you want to hear right yeah it's great uh, great parents Luckily, I met a gentleman who happened to be a Shriner um, through my grandmother. And he looked at me and was like, oh, does your grandson have cerebral palsy? And he goes, well, we see a lot of patients with cerebral palsy at this clinic. And within the first hour, 
I, uh, I was diagnosed and started treatment, um, wow. physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech therapy, focusing on everything from fine gross motor skills to hand-eye coordination and uh, braces and casting uh, for the first probably, I don't know, 12, 13 years of my life, um, I was in cast six months out of the year and then braces for the other half. Was that to try and straighten your legs? Straighten my feet out. So there was a, what I was called was a severe toe walker. Yeah. So like my feet, instead of bending this way, would want to bend that way and curl, curl down. And so through leg binding and feet binding, um, we were able to, to train those muscles to walk like a normal foot, you know, like flat pretty much versus curved. And, uh, that through exercise, physical therapy, um, you know, we're able to harness it and then sports, you know, sports are such a big part of my life. Um, and in so many different capacities, you know, I played, I played football, but soccer here, you know, (laughs) um, uh, for, for six, seven seasons, six seasons. And, um, and I was I was I was keeper I was defender I was center mid I, I played played every aspect with cast and braces on both my legs wow. so I was a tank yeah <laughs> unstoppable unstoppable and this and is I an could... able body competition so yeah, I, yeah. YMCA YMCA wow. you know YMCA really never discriminated um, you know I was very lucky I was very lucky to to have great physical therapists and. Um, my, my family was one of those people that, um, was a group that was like, can't is a decision. You know, we all, we all say we can't do something and, you know, we might not be able to do something, but through training and exercise and, and time, we can learn how to do it. We can, we can evolve to do it. It just takes that effort. And a lot of people just don't want to put in the effort. Um, cause it hurts. It's hard. It's time consuming and you're tired. And so it's like, why am I going to suffer anymore? Right. Yeah. Why am I going yeah, to, yeah. And so luckily, um, I, I had a family who said suffer more, <laughs> 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 but, uh, but so like through that, I was able to just harness, um, my CP and, you know, uh, I, I don't really use, um, braces which i probably should actually be in them right now my like my legs are so tight right now and i'm just like i just don't want to (laughs) run so Uh, that's interesting so you obviously went through such heavy physiotherapy early do you know if you hadn't gone through that process what your life and physical limitations and I don't want to say limitations no, might look like today yeah. would you have played soccer could you be walking because I know you skateboard Yeah I you know I I don't know um mm-hmm. I think I think probably if I didn't have the physical therapy and and the and the tools early on which which I'm a firm believer that start them young yeah. You know, it, physical therapy for a kid sucks, especially for a baby, for someone four or three. Your child does not want to, yeah. but your child needs to. And that's why I don't think a lot of parents, not that they don't get it, but they just don't want to see their kid in pain yeah, and, and, and want to see them with leg immobilizers and, and screaming at night. You know, it's because they're spasming and there's nothing you can do about it. It's like you can't, there's only so many drugs that you can give a child. <laughs> 
but you know, I would probably be something more like Walt Jr. That yeah. that like with with the forearm crutches, that would probably be more on yeah. my speed and and um you know my arm my arm even now like if I'm if I'm sleeping like my arm will curl on me and I'm like yo I gotta fix that like, <laughs> I'm like yo I'm like yo hey guys <laughs> come on now. Huh. Um, so you do love sport. In fact, in 2016, you commentated the Paralympics. I did. I was did you very at lucky. all get a chance to see any wheelchair tennis? That is a question from Dylan Wilcott himself. I did. I watched. I watched quite a bit of wheelchair tennis. Caught the finales on mm. uh, on on tennis. I went to every sport. So yeah. like when it came when it came to like what I wanted to do was I didn't want to just stick to one sport. I wanted to see everything that was happening mm-hmm. and uh you know we were there for a month and some change and and the brazilian people and the rio the rio locals were super open and and friendly and warm to us and we we're very lucky that we got to see so many things and you know i have to say the the, the paralympics are literally the pinnacle of the human evolution when it comes to showing what we are truly capable of, you know, you know, Olympics are great. You know, all these professional sports and athletes are really, really great, but you're talking like hundreds of millions of dollars and just like all kinds of crazy things. But when it comes to the Paralympics, you don't really, yes, you have, you have money in that, but a lot of them come on their own free will because of the drive, because of the belief, because of the, the challenge they come in and they break world records. So they, they, it's like they shatter them by like seconds. And yeah, it's like, they're like, oh, they complain that it's like, oh, it's because of the blades. No, it's because that dude trains 24 seven and lives on those things. Yeah. Like, like this is his existence. And, and I, I think it's so amazing to see what we truly are capable of. Having a disability allows you to not just adapt to your environment, but to create a new environment that includes inclusivity, that allows evolution and growth for not just the physical construct, but the material world as well, to environments, to buildings, to all these things. If we keep this disability version of, of what we need for accessibility, not so much disability, but accessibility, you know, the possibilities are endless. It's, it's, not so much even about smashing records, it's about smashing the glass ceilings of what people perceive the human body can do. It's easy to run, try doing it with one leg, try doing it- Or no with, legs. Exactly. <laughs> like, it's, it's like, ridiculous. You know, man, so even the, the hand cyclists, you know, yeah. like in, in, the, in wheelchair rugby, that's like, yo, you think rugby is a contact sport? Watch <laughs> wheel, wheelchair rugby, man. I know. That's like- Smashing to each other. Yo, they can't feel their ankles. They don't give a <laughs> shit. <laughs> they're like, yeah, I watched someone. I swear, I like they they broke their leg and it just kept on going. They're yeah. like, I'm like, yo, stop me back wild. in, coach. <laughs> right back in. Now, RJ, um, we've actually met before. Now, this isn't something where I'm gonna like spring this on you I, and you're expected to know me. Or I, I I do recognize you. I was, I've been trying to put it together. I'm glad you brought it up. <laughs> Well, we met at the EMAs in Amsterdam a bunch of years ago. We stayed at the coolest hotel of all time. Do you remember that hotel? I do. It was like like right off of a river. It was down the street from the EMAs. Yeah. Everyone was there. Like I checked in with Russell Brand and Will Ferrell as Anchorman. It was just a crazy time to be alive. 
But we ended up after the event having a drink together in this little bar that was within the hotel. I've got a photo which I'm going to show you. That's us. Oh my god! Yeah, we were having we were having a great time. Look at that photo. We were living our best lives, and we had a great chat. And you're an awesome dude. And I went away just going, man, that Hajo is an absolute legend. But there was something that actually happened during that time, and when we were drinking, where this drunk woman came up to you, and we were having drinks, and she goes, um. Should you be drinking? Are you allowed to drink? Do you get that a lot? Because I didn't know what to say at the time. You were so lovely. You're like, of course, can you drink? Why can't I drink? You had this great response and, like, she was quite nice about it. But do you get this ableism all the time? Yes and no. I don't view that as ableism. I just view it as ignorance. Yeah. (laughs) Because, you know, it's, it's people don't know. Because it's like, oh, you have something like your brain shouldn't be having alcohol. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like there's there's this there's this misconception of just because you have a disability makes you fragile. Mm. And and the and the and that kind of makes people wanna coddle you and, and protect you. And and a lot of people wanna be like, No, 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 you shouldn't drink or you shouldn't do these things or can you drive or or like yeah. those types of questions. And it's like yeah, like I, 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 I went through the test. I have a license. I have like these things that like maybe if I had like a liver malfunction or a kidney malfunction, I probably shouldn't drink. <laughs> yeah, but <that's> like, <laughs> but like, hey, man, I got enough brain cells. I could spare a few. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I've got less than you. <laughs> I mean, hey, I, I actually, I got less than you. <laughs> okay. Me, remember? All right. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Um, obviously, we have to talk about um, acting and we'll get into Triumph as well. But, of course, yes. we first came across you as uh, Walter White Jr. on Breaking Bad, a TV show that I've now watched through twice complete, um, one of my favourite TV shows of all time. A lot of people might have thought that Walter White Jr. wasn't written in the script to have a disability, but that's false. It was actually CP was always going to be uh, Walter White Jr.'s disability. Can you talk about when you found out about the role and talking to us, is it Vince yeah. Gilligan who wrote it? Vince Gilligan, yeah, yeah. Vince Gilligan, the creator of Breaking Bad, also writer for X-Files and Hancock and, and many other amazing shows and movies. Uh, he actually wrote my character in mind of a friend he had in college who uh, sometime after college passed away um, from other complications. And uh, this was kind of a memory, um, character in memory of him. It, it was really amazing when I got the role. I was I was 13 turning 14. And uh, I remember auditioning five times, four in Los Angeles and once in New Mexico. And, you know, the role really was, was me. It said dark hair, big eyebrows, and mild cerebral <laughs> palsy. And I'm like, hey, guys. <laughs> so uh, so it really, like, was one of those things where it's like, I, this is my role. And so I went in with that mentality and um, just kind of – put myself out there uh, luckily at the time not luckily but um Sharon Bialy the casting director um uh, I think it was either her or her assistant had crutches because they broke their leg skiing right. and they handed me the crutches and I used them for the scene and it Bang. here I here I am 15 17 years later you know I, I'm so lucky for what Breaking Bad gave me because 
I wouldn't be talking to you today. I wouldn't have been to the to the AMAs. And you know what was amazing about that? I got to give an award to Katy Perry. He did. Um, and it was it was surreal. And meet Ron Burgundy. I didn't meet um I knew, uh, I didn't meet Will Ferrell either. I didn't I meet Will Ferrell. I only met Ron Burgundy. He and it was did. the most wildest thing. And like and, and not many people can say that. And I'm, I'm very happy for that. And you know, I wouldn't have ever had this if it wasn't for Breaking Bad for the notoriety and the impact that the show had in, in everyone's life and including mine, it was a once in a lifetime thing. And, you know, I'm very lucky. Um, I, I still act, I still shoot movies. I'm, I'm still working in different capacities. And, uh, and you know, it, it's a really surreal business because I didn't imagine myself being in this business. Uh, hmm. And I, I couldn't now imagine myself not being in it. Obviously this role was meant for you with the physical features and traits, but um, when we're talking about the severity of CP, you did have to act up. I did. Um, your level of CP with the crutches, etc. Um, well, really, really, it was more or less just the crutches. You know, I, okay. um, you know, I do have a stutter, and I work very hard on on not having a stutter. So really, I just let that shit flow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to get rid of the vocal coach for a few years? Yeah. Scrap it. Just scrap all, all the hard work and articu- articulation and everything about it and like all the good, the, the, the good, uh, the good edumacations and things. <laughs> Um, with the uh, 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 what, 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 and I got yeah. you covered. Yeah, you got it. Um, did you get any feedback from the disability community after the release of season one and even through to today? And what was the response of people who might have had CP up on the screen? You know, Dylan always talks about never having people, uh, seeing people when he was growing up in wheelchairs unless it was in a, a victim of a road crash commercial. You know, that's yeah. what, it's what he talks about. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, Walt Jr. was received very well by the community. And, and, I, and I think it's probably one of the most well-received roles when it comes to the disability community um, on representation and just a character being a character, not, not being a disabled character. Because yes, yes, Walt Jr. had CP, but he wasn't disabled. Yeah. Like that's, that's the biggest thing that, that I feel is so important when we see characters on television that represent individuals with with disabilities their disability isn't what makes them a character it's who they are it's where they came from and it's how they got there through determination and strength and that's what makes them so strong and so independent and you know a lot of times we'll see on shows where it's about a character it's about a character with disabilities overcoming adversity and blah 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 blah. And, and you know that's great and there's nothing wrong with that but that's not reality that's a that's a show that's showmanship that's oh look at this look at what we're doing here like versus here's a character and this character is going through this challenge with his family and yeah he has cp but it's about the family it's not about physical therapy or overcoming or or even even curing curing i i hear curing a lot when Mm -hmm. i when i talk about disability cure we have to cure disability we have to cure like like I, I don't understand what people are trying to cure. I'm like, yeah, let's cure cancer. Yeah. <laughs> like, let's, yeah, that's, that's like, let's cure like disease. Let's cure things like that. Let's, you, you don't need to cure disabilities. You need to, pro, you need to understand them, provide opportunities for them. And, and really that's actually it. Cause if you just do those two basic needs, possibilities are endless. How do you feel when you do see as an actor, able-bodied actors getting roles 
as disabled people? I have a different take on this. You know, a lot of people get angry. It's not about able-bodied actors playing disabled roles. It's about disabled individuals not being even able to get into the room to audition for those roles. Mm. Not even having the opportunity. Like, yes, I understand that we need to have more representation of disabled actors in mainstream media, right? We need that. It's a great, uh, it's great for kids. It's great for adults. It's great for people who aren't around disability to see the real world. You know, individuals with disabilities make up 15% of the global population. So I I think it's important to have that representation, but I I think that I can't compete against a Brian Cranston. Hmm. I can't compete against a Jamie Foxx or or a Jim Carrey. That's just, no one can. So like when I have someone like Forrest Gump, like that was my closest thing to, to seeing myself as as a kid and growing up, you know, and I used to get I used to get called when I was on the soccer field. I used to hear "Run, Forest, Run" all the time because you would have been and in races. I would, yeah, and I, you know, I didn't look at it as a negative. Yeah. I looked at it as a positive. That holy shit, I'm Forrest Gump. Like, like, <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm gonna pick up a table tennis bat. I'm gonna be good at no, ball. I'll go walk. I'm gonna walk the country. That's what I'm gonna do. Um. But but that was my thing, and like it's it's hard, and I can't imagine because even now, they they wouldn't make a Forrest Gump movie, they wouldn't make a, a Ray Charles movie the same way, and and those pieces of cinema are are historic in so many different avenues because they were groundbreaking at that time. But now we're a little bit further in the future, yeah. and we have the ability to get the best content in the world. So why are we subpar? Why do we keep falling into the trap of subpar media or, or that basis of like, oh, we're just going to keep sticking the formula with a million dollar follower and call it a day versus hiring an actor that, that no one knows, but it's really great. It's, it's a bad business, but it's yeah. part, that's, that's part of the challenge to overcome it. But I think it's changing uh, for the positive because, you know, the biggest thing is, is I didn't think I would get Breaking Bad. I auditioned five times over six months. You know, I go on 30, I, I, not as much as I used to because it's tiring, but I used to go on like 100 auditions, 200 auditions a year. Do you know how many I would get? None. And, and it wasn't because of my disability. That's how the industry works. There's, there's hundreds of thousands of people that are vying for one position. And so you can't beat yourself up. You can't blame anything about who you are or what you look like or how you are. Um, It's irrelevant because that's part of the industry. It's just, you got to just keep paving and pushing forward. And when you see something that you're like, this isn't right, speak up about it, say something about it and, and make that stand for not just yourself, but for your community. If you, you know, thought of yourself as Tom Hanks as Forrest Gump, you know, in those braces in early day and, did you uh, did you ever find your Jenny? I I found I found some Jennies. Jennies? Okay. <laughs> okay. No, over the years, you know, it's yeah. Uh, yeah life is like a box of chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> you never know which one you get. <laughs> you never know. It's oh. <laughs> amazing. Um, talking about uh, Triumph, of course, the movie, uh, everyone can get on the digital platforms right now, but it does hey. tackle bullying. 
it was Sorry. that a part of your growing up? Um, yeah. Uh, you know, I dealt with bullies. Uh, you know, everyone, this is the thing. Everyone deals with bullies. I did. No one in this world goes through life without having to face an adversary or, or two or three or five. But, um, you know, I, I had my hand broken, um, in a, in a, not, wasn't really a confrontation, but it wasn't like not a confrontation. Okay. Sussing out whether this was going to be a confrontation. Yeah. And then, and then when like the whole, then when the hand broke, it kind of ended. Yeah. <laughs> like it was, it was playing sports. I was playing basketball. Someone got mad, but, um, and I didn't know you can kick in basketball. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you can't. <laughs> Huh. <laughs> oh, that's a fail. Technical huh. fail. I guess. I, I didn't know that at the time. I thought it was all part of the game. But anyways, uh, you know, and, and I and when I would do track and run, I had a kid. I had the same kid that would come up and he would jet like I saw, I had to stop wearing hoodies because they oh. would come up and they'd pull me off the ground with my hoodie. So like, I'd go flying feet first up um, and, and stuff like that. But then ask the question. Not so much confront them, but go, like, why do you want to do this? Like, what are you trying to achieve out of this? And I know that's very hard for, like, an eight-year-old to say, but it's going to catch that other eight-year-old off guard when you say, (laughs) what's your problem? Why are you doing this to me? And they said, because I want to. And it's like, no, no, no. What's your real reason? You know, there's been studies that show um, having a disability makes you three times likely to be bullied, Um, primarily a physical disability. People look at disability as a as a weakness and to me it's so much more than that and it's so much more viable it's knowledge it's power it's understanding of not just this world but your own body of what you're capable of and if you can convey that in a way to someone that can that that is willing to understand it you can change so many people's lives by doing that you know bullies have their own disability and, and that's a social disability. <laughs> and then that just breeds a toxic environment. And no one's going to help them because they're bullies. Mm. But if you can convey to them and, and try to reason, and I know that's like a, some people are unreasonable. But if you never try, you never know. And for me, I find if you're willing to put yourself out there, and if the straw hasn't broken the camel's back yet, confront them yourself. But talk to a parent. Talk to your mom, talk to your dad, talk to your uncle, whoever that, whoever that figure may be that you can confide in. It's important to, to be able to be open. Thanks for sharing that, man. Um, yeah. Before we go, I've got a couple of things I want to rattle through. One of them is when it. you type in RJ Mitty, it comes up with the internet's most asked questions. Have you ever done this on yourself? I have not. Great. So these are when people type in RJ Mitty, do you know how like Google tries to complete yeah, the yeah, sentence? Yeah. Let's go through the internet's most asked questions about you. Is RJ Mitty really handicapped? Yes, I, I am really handicapped. We've covered that. Is Done. RJ Mitty married? No, I am not married. How much is RJ Mitty worth? I don't know. I got two pennies in my pocket. Not <laughs> that. What is RJ Mitty's next role? Uh, I, I have a bunch of roles, but but really promoting Triumph, my mm-hmm. my movie out right now because I'm I'm very I mean that's taken five years of my life, <laughs> so I'm I'm very happy and uh, actually being in Australia right, yeah. I I'm in Australia at the moment. No, 
but but via uh, yeah, this, I have a movie called Standing Up for Sunny, which is an Australian-based film uh, with an, an amazing um, Philippa North um, Northwest. My old radio producer Yo. is her sister. She's my Jenny. Oh, she's your Jenny. <laughs> she, she's the Jenny, man. She's the Jenny I never got. No way. I had to go to war. <laughs> no way. That is crazy. Yeah. Yes. That, I, I, she used to come into my radio studio. She was on Home and Away for a long yes, time in Australia. Yes, she is. Yes. Yeah. She is amazing and a delight. And nice. I love I love the country. You have a great country there. Good people. Uh, I've been to Melbourne. I, I've, I've, I've hung out there. So I, I enjoy it. We know you've been in Melbourne because you didn't call it Melbourne. That's how we know Melbourne. you've been here. Melbourne, yeah. yeah. And the last question uh, the internet wants to know is, how much does RJ Mitty actually like breakfast? You know, I'm hit and miss. You know, I like <laughs> breakfast. I used to really, I used to be a big breakfast guy, you know, and I would do, I, I was a bacon sandwich Bacon's my blood, man. Someone mm-hmm. call a doctor. Um, <laughs> but um, but you know, I lately I'm getting old and I'm yeah. doing the reverse thing. So instead of going to bed early, I go to bed early and sleep through the day. Okay, you are you're <laughs> napping when when you're napping, you're old. Yo, yo, I nap. I hardcore nap, man. <sighs> Should give some context to that because Walter White Jr. on Breaking Bad yes. was sort of famous for. What what why was that written in the script? Is there so, a reason why breakfast was so no. important? So this is how breakfast kind of infused its way into my life. Okay. Um every major scene that Skylar, Walt, or Junior was at started in the morning at the breakfast table. Yeah. So every pivotal um morning on the show was always around the breakfast table. And it just kind of kept escalating until some, one day someone dubbed me the breakfast king. And, 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 and it stuck. It stuck. Yeah. It stuck. So when Vince was writing that, he wasn't deliberately going, this is going to be a key theme breakfast. It just kept repeating that that living room kitchen scene just was so just, pivotal in so many big scenes. It just happened that way and it just evolved into something. And you know, breakfast is the most important meal of the day. So I that mean, hey, <laughs> teaching the kids. These are the kids. And the last thing that we do, RJ, is a thing called a bowl of uncomfortable. Now, we put up uh, future guests once we lock them in and we ask our audience on socials, uh, what question do you want to ask? And we have a thing called a bowl of uncomfortable, a question they wouldn't be comfortable asking you in person, but they want to know the answer to. The movie Triumph looks to just be disability inspiration porn. Guy with cerebral palsy can lift large weights, defies bullies, makes the unthinkable sports team and gets the girl. Why should I take my child with CP to see this film and risk him seeing that it's not a triumph, but as a kick to the face? Um, I could tell you how it ends, and I would kind of ruin it. Yeah, um, okay, don't do that. Yes, there is inspiration porn aspects to it. And, and you know, it's, it's one of those things that it's hard to not have a story, a lead character with a disability that's just a, a, a story about a real event not be inspirational porn because it's so inspiring. But in Triumph, my character doesn't win. And I think there is like avenues of where it's important for kids to see a film like this, not because of the, the inspirational aspects, but just because of 
it's not the content that you're going to get in the mainstream media. It's not the content you're going to get from inspirational porn. It's it's going to be very different and it's going to be hard in some areas and, and soft in others. And I find there's many different avenues when it comes to what this character is. And, you know, we didn't want it to just be like, oh, inspire, inspire, inspire. Um, and so I think with how we made the the project, how he ended and the character ended, really kind of mellows out the inspirational aspect but but really this film is supposed to be an inspirational film this film is supposed to inspire people to get and do things and and be a part of your life and and face your challenges and face your dilemmas and look at it head on but also this he doesn't win i can understand where this mom has come from and she said this on facebook but uh it's also like what's the alternative Okay, he doesn't lift the weights, he doesn't make the team, yeah. and he loses. Is that a good movie you want to show your kids? I mean, like, yeah. And, and you know what? I want to ruin it. I'm just going to ruin the ending. I'm, okay. call, I'm just going to call it a day. He does not win any of his matches because it's not real. He's not a real wrestler. He's inspiring to be, mm. and it's his last year. So how? But And this is something that's not just supposed to relate to individuals with disabilities – but to everyone that was in that last year of high school, how many football stars do you know that I could have made it into the NFL yeah. and they're 50 and 60 and 70 years old that never got their dream? Imagine the people that never even get close to even practicing or playing. And so I, I think that this film is kind of a testament to that. And mm. it's not just for people with disabilities, but just for people in general. And I think it's also important to remember it's based on a true story of Michael as well. So this isn't like some able-bodied writer making up a story that he thinks inspirational. It's based on someone's true events. Correct. It's hard to not inspire without being like one of those inspired because there's so many people that Mm. are trying to inspire people. But really, sadly, it's all about money. Um, Mm. You know, I've tried really hard to be a motivational person but not make money my motivation and and not allow myself to be watered down or dwindled down to just being this pigeonholed person of, I'm a person with cerebral palsy. You should support X, Y, Z because of this. And yeah. it's like, I, I like, look, we, we need a lot of that and we need awareness, but it's, it's hard not to be that because society wants to make you that yeah. society wants to make you that disabled example of, oh, look, he's a success. Look at this poster child, right? Mm. How do you not let that define you? How do you, how do you f- focus on that? And that's a very hard thing for a lot of people. But it just takes time. And, um, and if she doesn't – and to that mom, if, if she doesn't like, um, like, like that and wants some more hard-hitting content about a guy with a disability, check out Standing Up for Sunny. It's a rom-com. So. <laughs> you give it see that's the great thing about you you've got a body of work <laughs> well it's been how long's it been eight years since we've caught up since this infamous photo in amsterdam so wild so crazy so man. Wild. the 23rd of november i posted that in 2013 that you know crazy. i'll remember that like that that weekend it was probably one of like the highlights of mm. like my life when it came down to just 
Amsterdam, the environment, the people, the work, and and being able to like present Katy Perry and and meet like yo again we met Ron Burgundy we did like I I don't think people understand he was not Will Ferrell no like like like, like that that was like he would not respond to Will like he nope. would not you he wouldn't take photos with you or like if you said Will 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 he would like. <laughs> he checked into the hotel, not no one filming, no one within Puffy's team Shoot. as Ron Burgundy. His hotel name was Ron Burgundy. It was wild. Yeah, it was crazy. It was one of the best weekends. And uh, I'm glad we got to have a couple of whiskeys that night, yeah. man. Thank you very much for uh, sharing time. that experience hey, with me, RJ. My pleasure, man. It's great. Full circle, man. Full, Full circle, circle, brother. Hey, well, next time we're going to have to get your co-host on board. When he, when he's winning Wimbledon. <laughs> so wild well Crazy. congrats to him please yeah. send my love and great to see you man once again a huge thank you to RJ Mitty the star or one of the stars of Breaking Bad it was an absolute pleasure to be on a Zoom call with him and for him to be a guest on this show and if you want to go check out Triumph of course you can Just a reminder that we are, of course, uh, for the people who are hard of hearing or deaf, releasing these episodes up on YouTube. Our boy Steve, um, with a disability himself, is doing the captioning on them, so we're a little bit behind, but we have uploaded some new episodes to our YouTube page, search Listenable Podcast, and we do, in fact, have the stars of Love on the Spectrum, Michael and Cassandra. The episode is live now, and we'll have Naz Campanella's episode up, hopefully, when you hear this. Subscribe on our YouTube. Fingers crossed we'll have Dylan for the intro on the next episode, but I can guarantee you he will be on the interview with our next guest. We recorded it before he went overseas, and she's a young, up-and-coming superstar. Hi, my name is Abigail Bidler. I am 17 years old, and I do equestrian in the Paralympic world um, that is formerly known as para-dressage. I'm currently in year 12, studying lots of subjects, and very sleep-deprived, and coffee (laughs) is now my best friend. Coffee? (laughs) At 17? Wow. Yeah. We can't wait for you guys to learn a little bit more about Abigail on the next episode of Listenable. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you then. Listenable was presented by Dylan Alcott and Angus O'Loughlin. Audio production by Darcy Thompson and the music was written and performed by Eliza Hull. Listener.